0: Four Day Work Weeks, Lonely People, and John Jones and Israel Adesanya. This ain't your mama's podcast. It's the Chico DeManuel Show. Let's get it. The clock starts in three, two, one. Here's a story I got to tell. Yesterday, I was at the EDR at work. And there's a place called the Quiet Room. And it's a place where it's it's quiet. You know, if you want to go in there and eat your food quietly, you want to just take a nap, rest on your break, you can do that there. So I entered the EDR. And there's this guy, and he's one of the security guards for the event. He's sitting there. Listening to some music, watching some shit on his phone and it's loud. It's playing out of his uh out of his out of his phone, and he's got the volume up. And there's a sign in there that says, Be quiet please, keep your conversations voices to to a low. If you got use mobile uh use headphones for your mobile device or something like that, use headphones for it. It says it on a sign. So I see the guy and it's it's kinda annoying, but I don't say anything to him because I'm not, you know, I'm not his boss. I don't tell him what the fuck to do. So I'm just sitting there, eating, minding my business. This other guy comes in, and he sits down, and he says, yo, you see that? It's called the quiet room for a reason. You know, telling him, basically, like, turn that shit off. Like, it's a quiet room. And... This guy gets all butthurt. hurt. He's all soft. He's like, "Yo, man, what you say to me, dog? What you, bro? You disrespect me, bro? You disrespecting me, dog?" He's like, "No, I'm not. I'm not saying nothing, bro. I'm just telling you, letting you know it's the quiet room. Like, you need to turn that off, blah blah blah." blah, blah. So, like, you know what? He picks up his walkie-talkie. He's like, "Yo, uh, such 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 such, whatever his fucking name is. I got. Uh, can y'all can, can I send a supervisor to the EDR? I got a problem." I'm like, oh shit. So I'm like, wow. I know how this is gonna go. So I get up real quick. I go and get a beverage, because for some reason I always set my food down, eat some, and then get a beverage and go back to it. But I go get my beverage, and as I'm walking back, I see the supervisor coming to address the situation. And I tell her, I'm like, what you're about to see is going to be real petty. So he comes in there, and he explains the situation, blah, blah, blah. He's like, yo, I'm just sitting here listening to my music, and he going to say, yo, bro, it's the quiet room for a reason. And I'm like... Blah 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 listen. And he's like, look, it's on the sign right there. He's like, I ain't even see that sign though. No. So are you just gonna disrespect me? Like this dude keep trying to use the clause of disrespect like we in prison or something to not be addressed on his bad behavior. Like, bro, it's the fucking quiet room. And this is why I stayed behind to cause I knew when that supervisor got there, he was gonna try to he said, she said this situation and make it seem like a whole big deal, like somebody really wronged him or he got played or something. It's like, no, motherfucker. As the dude was talking to the supervisor, I'm letting him know. I'm like, all he did was tell him that he need to have, don't need to have his phone in the quiet room. I actually give kudos to my man because I wanted to say that to him myself, but I didn't because I didn't want no shit like this to happen. But then nobody said nothing wrong to him. He was disrespected. He wasn't disrespected. And then my man started talking to me. He's said, yo, hey, big dog. Hey, big dog. Hey, big dog. Big dog. I'm like, first of all, my name is Chico. Chico De Manuel. This big dog shit, you can cut that. I ain't called you out your name once. Cooler with that big dog shit. First of all, did nobody disrespect you. You came in, you was in the wrong. If you didn't read the sign, that's on you. It's nobody's job to go around and make sure you read signs regarding the rules of the environment you're in. If you murder somebody and then they catch you and you say, well, look, I ain't know I couldn't murder dog, big dog. Then I'll be like, oh, he didn't know it was against the law. Let's set him free. Doesn't work that way, bucko. That's not how shit works. He was going to try to railroad this dude who was brave enough to stand up to him for he was when he was in the wrong. And I could tell the supervisor wanted to have his back. She didn't want nothing. To, she didn't want it to turn to a bigger situation than what it was. But at the same time, she couldn't beat both of our stories. What he was saying, I backed him up. I'm like, he's telling 100 percent truth. This dude just got mad because he was in the wrong and somebody said something to him about it, you know? The shit was just kind of weird. I'm like, for a grown man, you're being awfully sensitive. Oh, oh, so I'm being sensitive? Yeah, you're being sensitive and you fragile. You actually called a supervisor down here to defend you when you was in the wrong because you didn't like how something was said to you. Why he got to say it like that? What you mean why he got to say it like that? If you ain't breaking the rules, he ain't got to say nothing to you. You in the quiet room. Turn that shit off. Don't nobody want to hear fucking uh, uh, TikTok reels and all that kind of bullshit. Or somebody just worked three, four, eight, or five, six, seven straight downs for three, four hours. Motherfuckers want to rest. Bottom line is, you got to stand up for what's right. It don't really matter how you do it, as long as you do it. Don't sit back and watch a motherfucker get punked when you can see it was going to happen, man. I stood up for what was right. Dude gave me some five afterward. I felt good. Don't let motherfuckers punk your comrades. Insider, sought of by Mia. I hope I said that right. Uh, support is growing for an alternative to the four-day work week, working nine days every two weeks, a new survey found. An alternative to the four-day work week is attracting interest, working nine days in every 10. A new survey found 68% of UK professionals will be keen to work firm for firms offering this policy. Interested in reduced work week stands for increased demands for work-life balance and flexibility. Workers are increasingly looking for balance in their work weeks with discussions about the introduction of a four-day work week gaining traction in recent years. Another alternative to traditional five-day work weeks, however, is starting to gain support among both employers and employees, working nine days in every 10. Hayes, a UK-based recruitment firm, surveyed 3,483 employers and 5,370 professionals in the UK between April and May 2023, and found that the biweekly solution was largely viewed positively across respondents, according to a press release view by Insider. This would see workers clocking in nine days with one day off for every two work weeks, effectively working an average of four and a half days per week. Some 68% of professionals surveyed would be keen to move to a different organization that offered nine working days in ten, Hayes Research found. This increased to 72% for younger professionals between the ages of 20 and 39. Around 28% of employers surveyed have already implemented or are planning to introduce the alternative work week, 32% of which are large companies with over 1,000 employees. Quote, our research shows that professionals are keen to embrace different ways of working as flexibility and work-life balance continue to be an important consideration for individuals today. Gail Blake, head of permanent appointments at Hayes UK and Ireland, said in a press release. Quote, although a small number of organizations are currently offering employees a four-day work week. A nine-day fortnight could be a good alternative, which could take less of a structural shift and is already being implemented or considered by more than a quarter of employers. Interest around the four-day work week has peaked in the past few years as the COVID-19 pandemic accelerated demand for flexibility and work-life balance. Sixty-one companies in the UK took part in a four-day workweek trial in 2022, and all but five said they plan to keep the policy in place. Of the 2,900 employees involved, researchers found that fewer workers quit or took sick days during the trial. Generally, hesitations around the four day work week center on reduced efficiency and productivity, but working nine days in ten could offset some of these issues while maintaining the work life balance so to this confused me initially when i when I first looked at it, but let's break it down like this. So when they say working nine days out of every ten, I noticed the mistake that I was making involved the weekends involving saturdays and sundays being counted as work days so you get one day off for every two work weeks every two monday through fridays so we're not counting saturday and sunday these are days you would already have off anyways so if it's 40 hours in the work week they're basically chopping four hours off the first week but you don't actually not work the four hours you would still work 40 hours in your first week. But they take the four hours out of both weeks and collectively make it one day. So the next week, you go Monday through Thursday. It's Monday through Friday, then Monday through Thursday. Monday through Friday, then Monday through Thursday. You're only getting one extra day off. You're getting one three-day weekend. And that that comes from chopping four hours off of the day for the first week and chopping the four hours off for the second week and applying it for the second week. So when I hear it, I think it sounds wonderful. I think it's a good way to implement that. I talked to my buddy about it, and he the way he sees it is people are just going to use that time to to fuck off it's going to make people less productive people are already lazy enough and i'm like it's two days it's two extra days it's two extra days out of the fucking work week like i don't get like you get one extra you get two more days to just what just fuck off <laughs> and the point i tried to illustrate to him I was like, okay, let's say you missing those two days, hypothetically speaking, cost you 50 bucks. He's like, Yeah, because I don't want the opportunity, I don't want to miss the money opportunity. I want to work and be there to make the 50 bucks that I would have lost. I'm like, fair enough. Now let's say, what if during those two days it gave you more time to focus on your own, your own projects and goals. And pursuits, and the 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 the, the what the the product the 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 outcome of you getting those two days to yourself, you can make one hundred dollars in that time. What if you can make one hundred dollars in that and having those two days that you didn't have before? And there we go. It's like everybody who has free time is not just gonna fuck it off, You're not just gonna sit around. Stroking their nuts, smoking crack, getting high, doing whatever kind of funny, foolish shit. You know, everybody's not gonna just abuse and misuse their off time. You know, some people will, but it's like some people are gonna abuse it, just like some people would make good use of it. That just you—you you can't. It's—it's it's the aspect of it you can't control. You can't control what people do with their free time. In terms of like, you better not be wasting it doing some dumb shit. Uh, you better be using that free time, taking it, appreciating it. It's like you can't send no fucking off time appreciation patrol around to make sure motherfuckers ain't being complete goofwads. You know that's absurd. That's ridiculous. So, you know, I'm I'm all in favor of this working nine days out of every ten. It actually sounds cool. Like it. It gets you like to push through a week to get to that three-day weekend. Like instead of looking towards every Friday, now you look towards the three-day weekend, which gives you like a longer stretch of like, you know, it, it, it stretches out that 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 carrot that gets you just coming back in. It's like, oh thank God it's Friday. Like, no, thank God it's three-day. Thank God it's three-day weekend. You know? You get the whole Friday off. So if you wanted to fucking go out and party or do whatever the fuck, you still got the whole beginning of the day to get other shit done and catch up on your laundry. Fucking go out with your kids. Fucking then hit the nightclub and go out with your girls. Like you, you it's it seems like the perfect solution. You know, maybe not so much if you're fucking the end of your work week ain't on a Friday, but it's a great solution in my opinion. Like just just thinking about it as I'm talking, I'm like. Yeah, that would fucking be amazing. Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday, Monday through Friday, Monday through Thursday. Like, yeah, you work that one Friday, but then you get that Friday back. Like, they take a Friday, you give a Friday. I, man, I think for me, like, for me, it makes me wanna get up and work. Like, if that was my schedule, like, I would just get up and work. Like, it's something psychologically about chopping that second Friday off that's really motivating like it sounds good in 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 theory like i would like to actually feel it and see it in practice you know i'm all in support of the fucking nine and ten day four and a half day work week you know and it's not like motherfuckers still couldn't pick up overtime if they wanted in most cases like in most cases people are already working overtime so like you'll still have that overtime to pick up you can still do that overtime if you want it. Like, So those people probably wouldn't even be affected by it that much because they probably work back to that 40-hour point anyways, you know? So I disagree with my buddy. Like, I don't think it's that fucking horrible of an idea. I think it's actually great. I would like to actually see it put in practice. Will it happen in the United States? I don't know. I doubt it. The United States isn't really that being on a change that drastic all at once, you know. They like to make slow, gradual changes that usually just tend to cost more and make shit more expensive and unachievable, you know. But we'll see, you know. I think it's a good thing. I think I would like to see it happen. And um, just the thought of it gets me motivated. So I want to see the U.S. try it. I want to see the U.S. implement this and see how, see if there's gain productivity as a result. I don't know what the other topic was that I was supposed to do for this segment, but I was scrolling through some shit and I noticed something's uh, a blasphemous trend that's occurring right now. And I had to record this segment while on the worst bus in the United States of America, which is the Deuce bus, which runs up and down the Las Vegas strip. If you ever come to Vegas, don't get on this bus unless you hate yourself. But I digress. So, yeah, what have I been scrolling through and seeing these past couple years? I've been seeing a lot of people take shots at Eminem. And it's like people are trying to, I don't know if it's like the racial card they're trying to pull or they're they're trying to, they're using this beef for clout. And it's getting on my fucking nerves. Like, what's the lamest way to become famous than by trying to diss Eminem, by trying to bring up his daughter, by just trying to using these weak-ass puns? Yo, who would have thought the kill shot would have came from a cannon? Like, Nick Cannon, I don't know if this is new or old, but, like, Nick Cannon releasing a diss on Eminem is blasphemous. Nick Cannon hosts America's Got Talent. He's like the biggest fucking Uncle Tom, like, man, this dude's got nine kids, seventeen baby mamas. That math doesn't even add up. Like, for this guy to even try to to even try to stand in Eminem's jock strap fucking ludicrous. It's absurd. It's completely asinine. The whole idea, concept of it is retarded. Anybody that there's people in the comment section. For the for the most part, they got some common sense. They realize that this is a farce, this is goofy, foolish. Like what the fuck, man? Who else was trying to do that shit not that long ago? I think it was the game. The game was trying to take shots at Eminem because he got the spot on the fucking Super Bowl halftime show. That he thought like like I'm not into hip hop no more. I'm not big into that shit. But honestly, when the fuck when was the last time the game was relevant? When was the last time that the game was honestly relevant and he had something going on that was relevant to where calling out Eminem on a diss would have even been justified? And speaking of all these diss... Who the fuck still makes diss tracks, dude? It's 2023. All the beef is done cyber now. Nobody gives a fuck about this shit. This wasn't like real, like, beef... Beef one or beef... Uh, all the mixtapes used to come out. Well, motherfuckers was getting Doing drive-bys and shit on the DVDs Like this ain't that shit man Motherfuckers is Twitter beefing Who still beefs in 2023 man Who the fuck else did it uh, There was the whole I'm, I think it was a couple other people Somebody tried to uh, Sue him for that shit he did And rap guy little gay looking boy So gay I can barely see it with a straight face looking boy They tried to sue him for like copyright infringement Because he briefly stole that little flow Fucking machine gun jelly, was trying to fucking uh uh come at him. Machine gun jelly, look lost, big time lost. Like all these squeak loser ass motherfuckers is trying to throw dirt is that, like on the fucking legend. It's irritating. Like where do you get off? Like is this is this like all the, is this what we doing now? Is that also some 2023 shit that I'm not aware of? Like being a duck, being a complete fish for relevance, for popularity, to stay relevant. And Nick it Cannon, ain't he doing well enough already? Like, he's up there on them suits fucking timing it up and shit. I mean, he got wilding out. That show was gone for way too many years. People still watch it. People still attend it in person. People still find it entertaining. Like, what the... <laughs> like what what why why do you why do you need to dig your own grave like this this is this is this is career suicide like and the worst part is Eminem's not even going to respond to it like dude you are trying to beat with a 50 year old rapper and you got like what the fuck you got lupus or some shit you got some leprosy like you got some shit going on with you you got a whole orphanage, you know, like what the why? You ain't got why have all them kids if you can't take care of them? Why is this the business method? Why is this the business plan? It's just frustrating and it's trending and it's lame and it should be it should be stopped. I had to interrupt your regularly scheduled program and to rant about this bullshit because it's. It's hilarious on one end, but on the other end, it's outright disgusting and abhorrent. And it's like taking this shot is is tacitly admitting defeat, man. Like you you throwing in the towel whether you want to or not. This isn't competition. This is like Mike Tyson boxing a fucking teenager. It's not fair. It's not funny. It's not. It's barely even worth the time it's being given right now. But like this shit is ridiculous. I'd be like, man, like I be th- this this shit. really makes me feel like I'm living in the matrix. Like, this got to be a goddamn simulation. Things like this don't happen in the real world. You got these skinny jeans sagging, lean, sipping Percocet, abusing Dum Dums, trying to take shots undeservedly. Welcome to America. This is what we live in. This is this, this. the culture, you know. Throw dirt on a legend and bring your name up. Clout chasing. Fucking pill heads, losers. Shit's disgusting. Weon. I think that's the. I think that's the I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, doesn't tell me who exactly. Made, you know, I'm going to find a different article. Because it's. I see a couple of them and I want to be able to give credit to whoever the fuck wrote this, even though I see. It's a bunch of people written, writing on this topic. Topic is lonely people. Lonely people see the world differently according to their brains. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing anybody whom I could give credit to. Psycho- psychological Science 2023 DOI. Uh, anyway, before I read the article, I just wanted to take a moment to give a shout out to a couple of the products I'm using Right now, I just got done rolling some of the finest weed from Circle S Farms and one of the finest natural leaf Cigarellos from Gain, the honey flavor. You should try it out. And I'm going to be drinking nothing best but the... <laughs> I fucked it up trying to be cool. But I'm going to be drinking nothing but the best during this segment as I crack open a fresh cold Modelo. Brew with those for the fighting spirit. Modelo. Yeah man, Modelo, they got the they got the best pills in there for sure. I wanted to get the negro, but they didn't have the negro where I went. So uh, I'm gonna be having that liquor store shut down immediately for not carrying what I want when I want it. I don't really see any other logical way to deal with it. Anywho, let's get to it. Lonely people see the world differently, according to their brains. There is a reason countless songs about loneliness exist. Many are relatable since feeling alone is often part of being human. But a particular song or experience that resonates with one lonely person may mean nothing to someone else who feels isolated and misunderstood. Human beings are social creatures. Those who feel left out often experience loneliness. To investigate what goes on in the brains of lonely people, a team of researchers at the University of California, Los Angeles, conducted non-invasive brain scans on subjects and found something surprising. The scans revealed that non-lonely individuals were all found to have a similar way of processing the world around them. Lonely people not only interpret things differently from their non-lonely peers, but they even see them differently from each other. Our results suggest that lonely people will process the world idiosyncratically, which may contribute to the reduced sense of being understood that often accompanies loneliness. The research team led by psychologist Eliza Beck said in a study recently published in Psychological Science, feeling misunderstood. Previous studies have hinted at Bach's findings. Feeling understood by others activates regions of the brain, the ventral striatum, middle insula pre, precuneus, precunius, the middle insula precuneus, and the temporal parietal junction that are related to social connections and reward processing, according to a 2014 study. That same study discovered that the brains of those who felt misunderstood showed more activity in regions associated with negative emotions, such as the anterior insula and the dorsomedial prefrontal, cor- the dorsomedial prefrontal cortex. I can read, it. For example, neurons that release dopamine, a neurotransmitter that can boost pleasure, are found in the ventral striatum. This is just one way to, that feeling connected can produce positive effects. On the other hand, the anterior insular cortex is highly involved with social interactions and emotions, including loneliness. Study like this made Back want to see if there was something to an idea known as the Anna Karenina Principle. Leo Tolstoy's iconic novel Anna Karenina opens with the line, Happy families are all alike. Even every unhappy family is unhappy in its own way. To explore this idea, Back and her team took functional MRI scans of the brains of 66 UCLA college freshmen, as they watched short video clips of scenes associated with social interactions, such as party and, of course, music that was supposed to be sentimental and could possibly trigger emotions. Studies students participating in the study had already filled out a survey about how they felt about their social lives. Note that you can have lots of friends in a busy calendar but still end up feeling disconnected and misunderstood, which will affect the results of this survey. Those who scored above a certain level were categorized as lonely, while those who scored under that level were categorized as non-lonely. So, the researchers then analyze the fMRI scans, which show that what is going on in the brain, measuring slight changes in blood flow that occur during neural activity. FMRI can also see which regions of the brains are engaged during specific activities. Back's team was looking for activity in those areas involved in socializing and the emotions that come with it. Same feeling, different activity. The results of the scans were analyzed in pairs to search for intersubject correlations. This way, the researchers could identify similarities and differences in brain activity between lonely and non-lonely individuals and between any two lonely individuals or non-lonely individuals. In this context, Tolstoy turned out to be right. The fMRI scans showed that the reactions of non-lonely individuals to the videos they watched were extremely similar. Lonely individuals had brain activity that was not only significantly different from that of non-lonely individuals, but was even more dissimilar from each other meaning that each lonely person in the study perceived the world in a distinct way. Back suggests that having a point of view different from others makes the lonely even lonelier, as they're less likely to feel understood, though she does mention that it's not clear whether this is a cause or effect of loneliness or both. Loneliness also does not depend on social activity, as not every lonely subject lacked a social life. Even some of those who reported a decent amount of social activity in the survey, such as having many friends or participating in social events, exhibited neural characteristics that differed from those of non-lonely people. Lonely individuals process the world in a way that is dissimilar to their peers and each other, said, Bakes said in the same study. Future work can further test this possibility to examine what aspects of lonely individuals' interpretations are particularly idiosyncratic. Anyone who is lonely cannot be assured that there is probably someone out there who feels just as isolated, just in a completely different way. Well, thank fucking God for that. I'm a lonely bastard, even if I've got friends or if I don't got friends. And I'm supposed to take solace and comfort in the fact that somebody else out there is going through the same shit. Now that's something I can't, I mean, I get, I understand, I understand what it's supposed to do. I understand its utility, but like, why is that supposed to make me feel better? Like, you don't have to feel bad that your fucking kidney's failing. There's somebody else out there with a failing kidney too who knows exactly how you feel. Well, oh my God. That just brightened up my day. Like, is that really how it works? First of all, I will nominate myself. I am definitely a lonely individual. If it wasn't for like going to work or shit like that, I'm I'm a very introverted extrovert. Like I know how to be around people. Sometimes I like being around people, but there's certain people I don't fuck with. And like those people, the people I don't fuck with are that before they know they are. Like before they know that there's somebody I don't fuck with, I know that there's somebody I don't fuck with. So a vast majority of potential, you know, comrades, associates, affiliates, whatever, are autom- just automatically, before we even get started, I don't fuck with you. Okay. So... It's a real tough spot for me because and I also I hate small talk. I really despise small talk. I think my inability to come to grips or come to terms with small talk is one of the reasons, one of the main, the chief reasons why I don't have a lot of friends and why it's difficult for me to meet people because we got to stumble into a, a deep ass conversation that's quite often too heavy. For the level of rapport that you have with somebody you just met, you know, like if I just met you, like what's the chance that we just gonna break off and start talking about our lives and how we got molested when we was nine and all this kind of crazy shit and you know, like my dad used to like beat me or 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 like I understand that that was a psychological impact of their of what they went through and they just carry out on me and I don't have to like topics of that weight. Like, you don't really just break out into that shit with some random Joe Schmo that you just met while ordering a Michelob Ultra, you know? But, yes, I would definitely qualify myself as a lonely person. Some of the loneliness is by choice. Some of the loneliness is due to just lack of skill and just how to, like, meet people and retain long-lasting friendships, To touch back on the small talk point, like, I really cannot stand that let's talk to break the silence grade of conversation. Like, I would much rather it be silent than we be sitting here white knuckling it through an awkward ass conversation that neither of us wants to have, you know, and some people probably look at that and say, I see the world differently because like, I'm okay with the silence, like. I don't think that means I see the world differently. It just means I understand that two people that randomly bump into each other on the elevator is going to have varying levels of positive and agreeable improvisational conversation content. Like, it's not like, what's the chance I just bump into somebody on the elevator that just likes everything that I like three out of four times I get on the elevator? Like, people are going to get in there and say, "Ooh." It's getting hot out there, and I'm like, oh man, tell me about it. You know, 110 degrees in Las in Las Vegas. Never imagined anything like that. Like, come on, that's how I feel about dumbass elevator small talk like that. If you're gonna talk about the weather, I'm gonna be like, we all experience the fucking weather. Is that why it's supposed to be such a common ground? Like, oh, uh, we all experience weather. We all know what it feels like for it to be hot outside. We all know what it feels like for it to be windy. We all know what it feels like for it to be rainy. So let's identify based on the atmospheric precipitation conditions. Like, it's just fucking weird to me. Like, damn, can't we just say, "Hey, how's it going?" And have 30 seconds of silence as we sit in this box that carries us up to a particular floor of a particular structure. Can't we just have 30 seconds of box silence? I'm probably never gonna see you again. Why am I so worried about? What the fuck? You're going to think about a, little, a few minutes of silence. You know? For them to say that lonely people perceive the world differently. My response to that would be. I think everybody perceives the world differently. And I think. As far as this study goes. Like I know they had to put some kind of. Definite. Unit of measurement on how to quantify and identify loneliness. Like, who's lonely and who's non-lonely. You can have a bunch of friends but still be lonely. It's like, come on now. At what point does this shit have to make sense in that regard? Just that regard. Like, you can have a lot of friends and be lonely. Or you can not have a lot of friends and also not be lonely. Like, what the fuck? Like, what's lonely? Like, sit in my hotel room right now. I'm fucking lonely. But... I'm lonely in the sense that I'm just by myself. Now, what makes me lonely? The fact that I couldn't just call somebody up and, and, and request some company? Is that what makes me lonely? Do I even want company? My fucking ex, the tranny ex, just messaged me. It's like, how are you? I'm like, I'm amazing. Is it like, how is your life? So, said, like, I don't know. I lost my home. A lot of people wasn't down for me that was supposed to be down for me. Like, how the fuck would you feel? But I don't want to talk about that right now. Why are you texting me? Just wanted to see how your life was going. Like, why? Why do you care? Why didn't you want to see how my life was going when we was fucking together, when I needed you? Why the fuck didn't you want to see it then? Now that I'm all fucking broken down and, like, picking up the pieces and shit, now you're concerned about how I'm doing? Bitch, how do you think I'm doing? Seriously. Seriously. How the fuck do you think I'm doing? This is like some type of shit where you just trying to like ping into my life and just kind of just see what's going on. Like you want to check in on me because like, you know, you was full of shit. And now that some time has passed, you probably didn't talk to some people who told you you was full of shit. Even though I was telling you, you was full of shit and you didn't want to listen to me, you know. And it's like, why would I want to invite that person over? Like, why would that be company? Like, why do I want anything from people like that? Which is a vast majority of the people I've met being out here in Las Vegas. Like, I'm not, like, the loneliness is not because I'm some lame-ass, incompatible, fucking, like, awkward socially motherfucker. Like, no, it's just because the people out here, the people of value that you would want to be around, they're either here today, gone tomorrow, or they're not, they're not out and about, like, in places I would go. You know, I don't know how to bump into these people. Where's the elevator that they're on? So I can break their silence, you know? So only people perceiving the world differently. I actually would say I perceive the world, at least the world pertaining me, my world, the world I'm surrounded in, Las Vegas, Nevada. I think I perceive the world accurately. I just don't I don't see any utility for me in having several dozen friends or like having people that can just come over and keep me company like ain't nothing free like if i don't have anything to offer people out here like i'm gonna attract the lowest quality of company that you wouldn't want if you could pay for it if you could buy it you wouldn't buy these people you know i think we really need to if we're gonna make statements like lonely people perceive the world differently we need to have a very set in stone definition of what the fuck constitutes lonely you know and at least some kind of categorization as to how they got that way, or did they even get that way? Were they always this way? Is their loneliness a choice? Do they see loneliness as a negative as a negative thing? Because I don't a fuck how many studies you do like if if, if loneliness is an alternative to being surrounded by motherfuckers who all want to see you fail, but smile on your face and act like they're on your team, but steal from you, lie about you, lie to you. Why the fuck wouldn't I want, why why wouldn't I want to be lonely? Speaking of lonely, what's your definition of lonely? What do you think a person has to go through or experience? What qualifications does somebody have to meet to be considered lonely in a general sense? I put a link in this podcast so you can send me a voice message answering this question. and Maybe one day I'll put it on the show. Here to flip the script on you because time has passed. So, originally, I was going to talk about Israel Adesanya and John Jones squashing their beef. I'll touch on that briefly. But with the passing of UFC 290, I want to talk about the face-off between Israel Adesanya and Drigas DuPlessis. So, we're going to talk about that. And as far as John Jones and Israel Adesanya squashing their beef, like... Uh, It's a beef that really shouldn't have occurred. Like, I'm a huge Adesanya fan. I'm a huge John Jones fan. And uh, just being honest here, I don't think it's not the skill. Israel Adesanya is one of the most skilled strikers we've ever seen. But John Jones, physically, just physiologically, physically, he is a, a, a monster. He's vicious. And he's... I could not see a fight between John Jones and Adesanya happening, making too much sense, or being fair. Like, John Jones is just a physical paragon of, like, man, he's just too big. He's too big and he's too skilled. He can wrestle really good. Like, so I'm glad they squashed that beef. I think we'll get much better content with them being friends. As opposed to them being enemies or rivals, you know, John Jones or Israel to sign you something. I'm happy to see. I'm happy that happened. That's cool. But uh let's let's get to the uh the UFC two hundred ninety shit. So uh after drink is Duplessis du from South Africa, after he went in there and he uh who the fuck was he fighting? No, that was Bo Nickel. Who fought? Man, that Bo Nickel knockout was like, man, it's time for him to. It's time for the step up for Bo Nickel. That shit was very, very impressive. He beat Val Woodburn, but uh, I I don't remember who drinking Duplessis. It was like, uh, damn, like Turner or something like that. But yeah, he fought him. He made work of him, and uh, you know, as he was out there talking to, to Joe Rogan on his post-fight interview. They had Adesanya standing with the, uh, they snuck Adesanya in there on some WWE shit. He was talking, they didn't see it coming. They had a little stared on a face off. And uh, with that part being said, I'm going to start reading this article. This article is from BloodyElbow.com by Milan Ordonez. Undisputed middleweight champion Israel Adesanya made an octagon appearance on Saturday at UFC 290. The last style bender went face-to-face with Drinkus DuPlessis, who ended his night with a second-round TKO and his win over former... Top- Robert Whittaker! Yeah, he fucking beat Whittaker. Right, right, right. I don't know why I couldn't remember that shit, but he fought Whittaker. Like, yeah, that, that was pretty convincing, like, because, you know, using MMA math, Adesanya beat Whittaker, he beat Whittaker. Ooh, ooh. Anyway, yeah, it was a very heated conversation, to say the least, and Adesanya is getting some flack for it. Israel Adesanya's behavior criticized. During these octagon face offs it's usually customary for the challenger to come up and face the champion. For this instance, it was the other way around, given that things have gotten personal between Adesanya and Duplessis. Their face-off is no different, but Adesanya turned up the heat with a few notches by a racially charged tri- tirade. This is my African brother right here, Adesanya said on the mic right in front of Duplessis' face. Let's go, nigga. What's up, bitch? Let's go, nigga. Yeah, nigga. What's up, nigga? The fuck you gonna do, nigga? Yeah, my African brother? The anime nerd who became UFC champion. That's fucking hilarious. That's, that's some shit that's like at the top while I'm like reading the article. It's like one of the little ads that they kind of forced on. You say the anime nerd who became UFC champion. <laughs> that's fucking hilarious, man. This had mixed reactions in the MMA community. Andreas Hale. My skin just crawled, or at Andrea's hell. My skin just crawled with Israel Adesanya dropping N-bombs left and right to Drigas Duplessis. Very cringe. N-bombs. Don't call, just say nigga. say fucking N-bombs. Like, oh, he's dropping F and N-bombs. No, we're not doing the letter bomb game. He called him a nigga several times. King Typo at Boxing Bush. I took off my headphones and missed whatever embarrassing exchange that took place between Izzy and Drinkus, and I do not regret that. Well, whatever. The Naked Gambler at Naked Gambling. Izzy making his claim as the true king of cringe. Chris Reeney at Rini MMA. The UFC thought this daredevil was going to be used to promote their fight. They had an easier time using Conor committing a crime, throwing the dolly as promo material than this face-off. During the post-fight scrum, Duplessis commented on Israel out of actions. Quote, he's behaving like a clown in there, he told reporters. That's not how a champion behaves. That's not how a man behaves. He's behaving like a child. Conduct yourself like a champion. There are people looking up to you, and you're behaving like that? No. If that sells tickets, good for him. I'll sell tickets my way. I'm a gentleman, I'm a man, and I'll behave like a man. Adesanya has made things personal with DuPlessis. Right after his UFC 287 win over Alex Pereira, Israel Adesanya already had his sights set on DuPlessis, and his motivation was more personal than business. I want to whoop his ass so bad I want to whoop his ass so bad I want to do it in South Africa or Nigeria but he's got to do work he's got to do something show me something so I can whoop that ass and I can show you history I remind you because you got to choose your words wisely when you speak on people that have come before you people that have paved the way for you I don't want to give him no clout but if he does work and I pray to God he keeps winning I will gladly drag his carcass across South Africa Dana White sees no wrong in Israel out of science actions but if you ask UFC President Dana White, Israel Adesanya said nothing wrong. In his conversation with the media during the post-fight scrum, he went back to his old argument. Quote, this is the fight business. It's the fight business. Quote, he's, he he's being black. He's black. Who gives a shit? I could care less. This is the fight business. Israel Adesanya could say whatever he wants to say. Who gives a shit? Are people bitching about that? Of course. Of course they are. Too fucking bad. Too fucking bad, that's my... It's my attempt at a Dana White impression. I know it's terrible, but... DuPlessis predicts Israel Adesanya fight. Still running high on his win over Whitaker, DuPlessis shares prediction for his title shot. I'll knock him out just like I did tonight. If not, we saw his fight against Alex Pejeta. If I get him to the floor, it's not even a fight. If I just get my hands on him, it's not even a fight. I will manhandle him. I've done it before. I'll do it again. Adesanya has since issued this response. Israel Adesanya as style bender, say it to my face. With the win, DuPlessis improved to a record of twenty and two. So yeah, I had uh, the 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 privilege of watching this entire car comfortably in a movie theater for a very very reasonable price. Uh, if you're ever in Vegas and you want to watch the fights at a very very reasonable price. Sitting in a comfortable theater chair that reclines with people that bring the food to you. You get dinner in a, in a fucking UFC fight. You got to go to the Art House. Art House in the Arts District of, uh, of Las Vegas, downtown Las Vegas, absolutely spectacular. I enjoyed every minute of it in comfort. You know, and it's just a real cool place. It's in a real, real cool neighborhood. Like it's just real clean, real friendly, real everything. Like I would highly recommend it. I'm gonna be going there anytime I'm in Vegas and there's a fight going on. I'm gonna be watching it there. <laughs> I'm gonna be watching it there. Like you can't, you can't beat that value. So check out the art house in Las Vegas. Anyway, um, I saw this whole card. It was an amazing card. When it comes to the uh, the words between DDP and Adesanya, personally, I tend to side with Dana White. It's the fight business. Some people might say that's a cop-out, and perhaps it is a cop-out. But what the fuck? We're in a business where people beat the shit out of each other. For money. In in front of an audience. This is a gladiator sport. How are you going to come into a gladiator sport, a blood sport, and say, hey, but can you you guys use polite language, please? You guys can talk trash, but... You don't have to use profanity and things don't have to get personal, bitch, whatever, sales, tickets. This is the fight business. And people want to talk about fighters being underpaid, which maybe they are. I won't, you know. I'm saying if you're underpaid, people do jobs where they're underpaid every day. So just because the fight business carries the risk of like personal physical injury, harm, you may get fucked up in a way where you can never fight again. Like, you might die. Like, it's it's the sport. And for these people to say it was cringe, perhaps it was a little cringe. You know? I decided you could have done something better. But it's what the fuck I wanted to see. And let's not forget, Driggas DuPlessis was the one who said he's the real South African. Like... You can spend that however you want like it's not like that didn't have something to do like it wasn't racially charged like it, it was kind of racially charged like kind of like what do you mean you're a real South African just because a guy doesn't live in South you said I'm not a real Detroiter because I moved to Las Vegas even though I spent my entire upbringing in Detroit I was born and raised in Detroit for almost 20 years are you gonna tell me I'm not from Detroit because I don't live there fuck you what are you trying to say. Like, what are you trying to say? You're a real South African, and I think Izzy's good enough at, at at responding the way he is, but like not not letting it get to his head. Like when it comes down to the fight, he knows when it when it's time to fight, he knows that like this could easily go wrong. This could not go my way. It's like an an an, an unremovable part of his. His ego is his humility. Like, his ego has a, a capacity for humility. He knows that it's time to check himself, and it's not, you know, every win we, we get, we got to go out here and get. Nothing's promised. And I think when it's time to fight, all that fury and all that energy is going to be concentrated in the whooping Duplessis' ass. He's going to go out there and try to wrestle, but I just don't know. Like, he's going to have to make it into, like, Three, four round territory, if he even thinks he's going to implement that, because he's going to get touched every time. He's going to get touched every time. Adesanya's got pretty decent endurance, I would say. You know, he can fight a five round fight, he can do it standing. And as far as his striking goes, like, if you are careless, you're more than likely going to lose the striking battle with Adesanya. He's one of the greatest strikers of the century. Duplessis has got knockout power. He got all stoppages, if I'm not mistaken. He's undefeated in the UFC. You know, I does he get a title shot right now? I don't think he will, but I don't know who else he could fight before Adesanya that would not affect the timing of the of the narrative. Like the backstory's there. Like you, the, the the pot is boiling. Like it's time to fucking get this shit going now. Like, within the next two, three months, we need to be seeing some headlines. Duplessis out of Sanya Duplessis. Like, cause that shit, and if you can stack a card around that right after 291 or shortly after 291, holy fucking shit. What a year for the UFC and what a year to build up to UFC 330 years of just fucking amazing entertainment, man. Like, this is not WWE shit. This shit is fucking awesome. So I'm totally cool with the trash talking. I'm totally cool with the rivalry. I'm on the side of Dana White. Like Israel, the side he can say whatever the fuck he wants to. It's just champ shit. It's just champ shit. You got Johnny, uh, um, uh, Goody Goody Two Shoes over here oh, I'm a gentleman and I'm going to do this the righteous way and I'm, a, I'm not going to use profanity to get my wins and I'm not going to speak bad about women to get my win and blah, blah, Like, bro, okay, all right, we get it. You a, you a stand-up guy. But stand-up guys ain't always fucking entertaining. No, nobody want to see these. these it was almost like Khabib was a stand-up guy, but like he had some fire. Like, I'm going to smash your boy. I'm going to smash. Six October, Six October. <laughs> like he, he was calm, but like, you know, he had that element for violence as a part of his nature. Like it would not, he would not hesitate to fuck you up and then sit down and pray afterwards. Like it would be nothing to him. That shit would be like making a turkey sandwich. You know, you just, just bread, mayonnaise, turkey, consumption. Just, it's not a lot of thoughts. It's not a, it's not a big process to it, but that gentleman shit, like I don't, I don't think that narrative if I, it plays out as entertaining for Duplessis. It actually makes him seem kind of square and boring, especially when you're going up against Israel Adesanya, who I'm a, a big fan of and who I think is a huge favorite in this fight. Like, let's just be honest. I don't think Duplessis is going to be and new. It'll be a great attempt, but if I was a betting man, my money goes on Adesanya. It's just that simple. But the fucking post-fight, the post-fight talk, loved it. Loved it. Was it cringe? Yeah, it was a little cringe. Yet and still, loved it. Want to see more of it? Get that fight going, Uncle Dana. To close out the show, I would like to share a single with you from my upcoming album, These Past Years. Ladies and gentlemen, let me. Just got is some fire OG. Blessed with the sin and that chronic on me. So before I step foot in your studio, let me get high. Pack of zigzags on deckless main pageant So much green, it's feeling like same Patrick's. So before I step foot in your studio, let me get high. Rolling joints is my ritual. It's all about getting high. It's no longer habitual. You won't talk on this, Mary. I know a bitch you will. Stacking on my coin like a oh, wishing well. A lot of hens need this, and they don't wish me well. My crew flexing to the max, some niggas wish I failed. Fucking pressing my present, Fucking up the rip to rig the scale. Lots of bitches in my DM, they wanna get impaled and kissing and till. I'm not really concerned. Stuffing around in the paper, white ashes when it burns. Falling I'm like a laker, relaxing just like a perm. Focus on counting cheddar and putting weed in my urn. You don't get no turn. Everything in my bag is for me, bro. Got to control my ego. I'm blazing in front of people, sliding up wool with woo, a pretty thing with me. Smoking gas energy class, bitch. My tank is never empty. Just got the of fire, OG. Blessed with the scent and chronic on me. So before I step foot in your studio, let me get high. Studio. Let me get high. Can I get high? I'm trying to spill my soul into music. All I need is two hits. I know that I can do it. Shawty got my ass, and I really know what to do with it. I'm sipping on somanayo, mixing chronic with the fluid. I'm packing heat and pray, I never have to use it, Build my sanity on balance, trying not to be abusive, this world is full of nooses, it's so mentally intrusive, I retreat and smoke this leap to stay flexible and elusive, I try many approaches, to test results as conclusive, I'm smoking and chucking deuces, getting caught up is useless, everything in my life is designed around peace of mind, and if you threaten what I built, you gon' meet this peace of mind, I ain't no gangster, I'm a chill nigga, with a nail trigger finger, I don't wanna deal with you, keep with you. I just wanna record it so I just wanna record it, so yeah Just got the chill some fire OG Blessed with the sand that crying on me so before I step foot in your studio, let me get high You've just listened to the Chico Well show on Spotify. Thank you, and I'll see you on the next episode.